I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Now, I would really, really like if I could just invite everyone out onto the range to ride the mechanical bull. But I'm going to need to see your papers to prove you're not a commie. It's high noon for Monday, March 29th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also follow the podcast on Gab and Parlor at I'm your moderator and you can get some sweet ass merch at www.cancelcouture.com. And I just put up some new stuff, the Be Reasonable logo art on T-shirts and iPhone cases and coffee mugs and other things. There's a lot of things on there, man. And once you put out the original design, then you can just start selecting other things. So I selected a lot of things. I want to be able to give you options, you see. Today is the 70th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who was overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. The same Chinese Communist Party who just had the WHO put out a report that says it's extremely unlikely that the coronavirus emerged from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, directly conflicting with the former CDC director, Robert Redfield, who has finally admitted that it does come from the lab. And of course it does. Joe Biden is also the patriarch of one of history's most corrupt families. I was going to say American families, but it's real hard to think that anyone in the Biden family gives a shit about the future of America. Joe Biden is also the father of one of the most despicable sons in the history of the world, Hunter Biden. So congratulations, America. You showed everyone how smart you are by doing the thing that the TV said instead of using that very smart brain of yours and coming to terms with the fact that everything I just said about Joe Biden is true. It's basically the same as parking a Tesla in your driveway to show everyone how eco-sensitive and intelligent and potentially rich you are thinking that somehow your display of a brand 
means you're probably just as smart as Elon Musk. Which is like wearing Nikes and believing you're as good at basketball as Michael Jordan. You're basically as smart as the highbrow version of what Cardi B's songs encourage. Hey, you want to be rich like me? Just figure out how to get Christian Louboutins on your feet. Even if it means prostituting and drugging and robbing men for their money so that you can have those shoes. Because you know what that brand says about you, don't you? It's amusing to me how many of us have forgotten the things we used to say and think about building our personalities out of associations with brands. But I know, I know, your brands are different. Apple's a brand for smart people. Tesla's a brand for smart people. Yes, you're very classy. Pat, pat, pat on the head. And if you follow me on any of those channels I always mention at the beginning, you'll notice that yesterday I was on a bit of a writing spree. I'm trying to actually finish this thing I started in August, but it's still very relevant and it just keeps, you know, events are happening so quickly and the landscape is constantly changing. So I want this thing to encompass all of that. So I I continue working slowly at it. But I was talking yesterday about Hollywood communists in particular and how self-regarding they are. All they're doing is associating with brands because they're trying to enhance their own self-image. They're basically just repeating the slogans and they actually imagine that they are in the upper echelon of this burgeoning communist society that is being built around them without their knowledge because literally everything that happens around them is without their knowledge. They're just repeating the slogans. And if you are a communist who's just repeating the slogans of the party, you should realize that you already missed the cut. Like, it's not somehow smarter that you, in your lofty position, are repeating the slogans. That's not like a a plus. Hey, look, I think exactly the same things that the leaders think. That means I'm just like the leaders. No, you missed. You're not going to be on the top of the food chain. You're just another communist repeating the slogans. You think that's not true because you get to go on vacations sometimes that you don't pay for. It's almost like the party wants you to do these things so that you can show everyone else how much freedom there is. So that they don't think, oh, hey, I can't do all these things I used to do. Well, that's weird. It's funny, too, how they're always the ones arguing that communism actually works or that socialism works. The number of Bernie Sanders supporters in Hollywood was remarkable. In Hollywood in 2016, it was basically like 
if you were a woke feminist, you were for Hillary, Hillary Clinton because you thought the most important thing that could ever happen in the world was having a woman as president, as if that matters at all. And if you weren't a woke feminist, but were still a Hollywood communist, then you were all for Bernie Sanders because that you thought that that was kind of avant-garde or against the grain and that socialism had just never been tried in the right way. But these Hollywood people consistently repeat the slogans, which is basically that just them advertising for a society that will not only not benefit them, they can watch it literally destroy their families. Because unless you're in like generational Hollywood royalty, most of the people in Hollywood are, you know, what used to be called new money. They didn't come from rich families, but now they're rich and now they're famous, but their family members are still the same people they always were. And sure, you take them on vacation or you give them some money if they need it. But that's where it ends. These people literally watched their families' lives being destroyed and dismantled, their freedoms being taken away one after the other. And they thought, oh, well, we're all in this together. Really? What part were you doing, Kami? But it was worse than that. Because they actually had, at different times, the choice between whether they would support the party slogans or whether they would listen to the counterpoints their own families were making to them. And they chose the party. Like, hey, commies, think about this for a second. The party leaders wouldn't be paying you to advertise the party's position if you were deciding your own path. Understand? I know you probably don't because that's complicated. Why would they pay your dumb ass to advertise their slogans if you were forming original thoughts? You weren't. And they made sure that. They turned an entire industry, actually multiple industries, into either full-on party members or useful idiots. And the sad but true part is that Hollywood is almost exclusively useful idiots. Hollywood has been almost exclusively useful idiots forever. That's why now almost everything that Hollywood produces that makes money is in some way or another pure propaganda. And they can watch their family members and friends being torn down, losing their jobs, their careers, their houses, their lives, potentially, their children's future, as none of them can go to school. But because these Hollywood communists are scared of the party, they continue to support it because they can't even imagine a life after being rejected by the party. Everything they worked so hard for <laughs> being being fourth lead on grace under fire. How can you take that away? 
but they take the party's side every single time. And the truth is that they are just the last people to realize what all of this is, right? It's like they all got a free ticket on the Titanic. And of course they got a free ticket. They were there to make the Titanic look fun and safe to everyone else, to make it glamorous. And then when the ship sinks, they just think, oh, well, no one saw that iceberg coming. And they require no further explanation. Isn't that kind of deranged? I mean, you were invited on a shipwreck cruise, Kami, and you said yes so that you could show everyone how great your life is. But now you're freezing on a board watching Leonardo DiCaprio die and hoping you don't lose your necklace. Congratulations. But wait, 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 wait. We know you're very smart. You have a piece of paper somewhere in your house, maybe, that says you completed college. Now, you don't have it on your wall because you're not proud of it because you know somewhere in the back of your mind that basically everyone completes college and that no matter how good a school you went to, no one really gives a shit. You also know that you were about a C student there too. So you have this diploma, this little piece of paper that says you're smart. Doesn't matter what you do in the world. Doesn't matter how good the counterpoints are against the things you say. Someone gave you a piece of paper that said you're smart. So now it's just so. And you're smart forever. That's the greatest thing. Even if you don't read books anymore, you don't read the news, you just watch everything on TV, you think that there was a very scary riot at the Capitol, you think that Black Lives Matter are mostly peaceful protests, you think election fraud could never exist, you think the vaccine is saving everyone's lives from a disease that can't kill anyone unless they're already real unhealthy. But yeah, Kami, you're the smart one. That piece of paper says so. Look, everybody, I'm smart. I have a piece of paper that says so. It's right next to the little statue they gave me for pretending to be somebody else. I'm amazing. Now, let me disseminate my beautiful political thoughts to everyone. And don't make me explain them because that's rude and you'll get blocked. Uh, I just want to thank the Academy for this little statue recognizing how well I pretended to be somebody else. But the truth is this statue is not for me. It's for how important the message was in my movie. We really wanted to make a difference by convincing millions of people that everything the party tells us is right. Now honor me and clap for me. And write up how great my speech was tomorrow in the Huffington Post. I hope more brands will want to associate with me now. And speaking of brands, isn't it a bit odd that there are multiple brands of vaccine? And 
that they work a little different and that they have some different results? Does that seem like good science to you? If what we were concerned with was making sure that the society would be safe from the very dangerous coronavirus, how come we haven't figured out the right solution yet? Oh, it's because you worked too fast? Well, that's weird. Because last night, CNN showed a quote-unquote documentary, which, by the way, means that everything in it is true and it's definitely not propaganda. They would never give little statues to propaganda. And CNN isn't a propaganda outlet. And even if they were, besides, this is a documentary. So CNN had pretend television doctor Sanjay Gupta interview six of the key characters from the coronavirus last year, from last season of the coronavirus. And to anyone with a fully functioning adult brain, you could watch these interviews and think, good God, these people are pathological liars. In fact, it seems like they might be the most evil people on earth. And we might as well start with St. Fauci. Was there a moment, Dr. Fauci, when you said, okay, this, this is the big one? Yeah. 40% increase in New York hospitals in just 24 hours. That's a big number. When I saw what happened in New York City. Refrigerated trucks are now being mobilized as makeshift morgues. Almost overrunning of our healthcare system. It was like, oh my goodness. And that's when it became very clear that the decision we made on January the 10th to go all out and develop a vaccine. We have a number of vaccine candidates. May have been the best decision that I've ever made with regard to an intervention as the director of the Institute. The life-saving and record-breaking vaccines that Dr. Fauci oversaw were a giant success for the doctors, for science, and for the world. But remember, a vaccine does nothing for the patient on the table. In this case, the hundreds of thousands who perished before science could save them. When you look at your data now and you think, okay, had we mitigated earlier, had we actually paused earlier and actually done it, how much of an impact do you think that would have made? Well, I look at it this way. The first time we have an excuse, there were about 100,000 deaths that came from that original surge. All of the rest of them, in my mind, could have been mitigated or decreased substantially. Now, all of that is just pathological lunacy. Fauci, and by the way, CNN's documentarian, edited this in a really interesting way because Fauci said that he knew it would be the big one, right? On January 10th, and that's why they hustled up so much with the vaccines. Strange, isn't it? That at that point, he was 
saying there was no reason to slow travel from China. Donald Trump was being called racist for suggesting it. Tom Cotton was being called a conspiracy theorist for saying that the virus emerged from the Wuhan Institute of Virology and that travel should be shut down. Fauci said on January 21st that the coronavirus likely would not have a major impact on the citizens of the United States. In the middle of February, he said it was no big deal. In the beginning of March, he was still saying it was no big deal. At points after that, he kept saying that masks don't work. They might make you feel good. And they might provide protection against a droplet. But really, they're just for signaling. He said that. Those aren't, that's not me saying that. I will also say it because it's obviously true. But Fauci said that. So he's simultaneously taking credit for the vaccine coming so soon. And CNN spliced in a clip of him discussing the vaccine at the podium in the White House press room. That clip is from months later. They try to imply that that was Fauci out there on January 10th, telling the truth to the American people, showing them that he was ahead of everything. I would love to see the proof that on January 10th, Anthony Fauci made the executive decision to push along the development of vaccines because he knew that this would be, quote unquote, the big one. If that's the case, why didn't he tell everyone about that? And why, when Donald Trump announced Operation Warp Speed and announced a timeline where the vaccine could be delivered by, did Anthony Fauci say, no, I think that that's a... Uh, too optimistic. It's probably going to be 18 months or maybe it's two years or maybe it's five years. You know, whatever Bill Gates says. And then, of course, Sanjay Gupta, they do the emotional thing. Yeah, but the vaccine doesn't help anyone who's already on the hospital bed. They got sick before they could be saved by the science. They were merely relying on their immune system, which only cures 99.8% of them. And really, I mean, if you take out all the old people with multiple comor comorbidities who don't really participate in everyday society because their health restricts them from doing so, then, you know, the survival rate is like 99.997. But hey, very, very scary. It's very scary to know that you might catch a cold and that the science might not be ready to save you. And then we have Burks on there, this clownish moron, saying that they kind of, they get a mulligan on the first 100,000 deaths, but after that, they were preventable. You know what? Only 100,000 people would have died if Trump had listened to us. That's what she's saying. And of course, Sanjay Gupta is a propagandist. He's not actually going to ask her, hey, can you tell me which measures you proposed to Donald Trump that he refused to comply with that would have prevented these other 
hundreds of thousands of deaths that you've classified as being from the coronavirus? I mean, we wouldn't want to have to hold Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks accountable for the things they actually say. They were in the room. Are they saying that the president, president didn't take their advice? Well, Mark Meadows was out today, the president's chief of staff, who was also in the room, and Peter Navarro was also in the room. Do you think that they heard Dr. Fauci or Dr. Burks ever submit a suggestion that was just ignored and trampled on? That didn't happen. Fauci and Burks are high-level party members, just like the Hollywood communists, and they are afraid to go against the party, which is why they say things that don't make any fucking sense. And then the party comes in behind them and says, you know what? You got to believe everything this person says. And it's like, hey, well, they say they say the thing and it's polar opposite. Doesn't matter. Got to believe both. Well, I can't actually do that. Doesn't matter. Figure out how to believe both and then go around telling everyone you know that both things make sense. And when they say to you, hey, that sounds fucking crazy. You just say, why are you not following the science? Mission accomplished, commie. But not to be outdone by last season of the coronavirus, Let's check in on this season of the coronavirus and find out what our very responsible CDC director thinks about how things are going right now. This is political hack slash doctor Rochelle Walensky. Okay. Now is one of those times when I have to share the truth and I have to hope and trust you will listen. Uh, sorry, what? This is one of those times you have to share the truth. I think that your job is to share the truth all the time. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to lose the script and I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. Oh, you're off script, huh? Now it's real as you continue to read it, which you can see in the video. These people are deranged. Recurring feeling of impending doom? You're the CDC director? We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope. But right now, I'm scared. Do you hear her voice beginning to waver? It's not going to stop, by the way. I'm just saying, this is where it starts. <laughs> right now, right now, I'm scared. I think the coronavirus is over there in the closet. And, and QAnon is under my bed. Um, I know what it's like as a physician to stand in that patient room, gowned, gloved, masked, shielded, and to be the last person to touch someone else's loved one because their loved one couldn't be there. Uh, hey, communist, their loved one couldn't be there because you communists decided that for no reason. So shut the fuck up. I know what it's like 
when you're the physician, when you're the healthcare provider, and you're worried that you don't have the resources to take care of the patients in front of you. To be clear, there's been no point since the very beginning when healthcare providers did not have the resources to take care of patients. They simply could have given them all hydroxychloroquine and everything would have been fine, but they chose not to. Also, hospitals did not go over capacity. There was no time, no point, not one single point where people in the United States had to be triaged for care. No one ever had to decide which patient patient would live and which would die. That did not happen. I know that feeling of nausea when you read the crisis standards of care and you wonder whether there are going to be enough ventilators to go around and who's going to make that choice. Oh, yeah. Ventilators. That thing they realized doesn't actually save people and does actually kill people. Yeah, we don't have enough of those. Remember when Andrew Cuomo pretended he needed 35,000 of them? And so Donald Trump got them for him, but he only used 4,000 and then skipped on all the field hospitals that were built and given to him? Oh, yeah. I remember. And I know what it's like to pull up to your hospital every day and see the extra morgue sitting outside. Uh, no, you don't. You're making that up. And you imagine that people will understand that to be a common experience among doctors and that it will be taken seriously by communists. That is another lie. I didn't know at the time when it would, when it would stop. We didn't have the science to tell us. We were just scared. We didn't know at the time when it would stop, we didn't have the science to tell us we were just scared. Now, keep that in mind, because we're about to come back to it. And I don't want that to be one of those sentences that just gets passed over. We have come such a long way. Why is it that so many people in our supposedly educated expert class sound like they went to Valley High. Three historic scientific breakthrough vaccines, and we are rolling them out so very fast. Three, huh? You sure that's the right number? I mean, we got the Pfizer, we got the Moderna, we got the Johnson & Johnson one, right? And aren't they partnering up with Merck? Ooh. But I keep hearing about this uh, AstraZeneca one. Does that one not count anymore because it's killing people or? So I'm speaking today, not necessarily as your CDC director, not only as your CDC director, but as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, to ask you to just please hold on a little while longer. Just hold on a little while longer. Keep double masking. Keep telling people they're evil to talk about vaccines. Keep making it so that kids can't go to school and keep... (laughs) Poor people out of work. Just hold on. Just promise me you'll never, ever die. I so badly want to be done. I know you all so badly want to be done. We are just almost there, but not quite yet. And I, I guess she knows this because now 
the science can tell her when it's going to end. Not like before when the science didn't know and they were they were just scared, just waiting for the science to announce itself. For the science to be delivered to us from on high. And so I'm asking you to just hold on a little longer to get vaccinated when you can so that all of those people that we all love will still be here when this pandemic ends. You see, if you don't do what we say, then all those people we love are going to be dead and it's going to be your fault. And you don't want that, do you? You don't want to be responsible for murdering people. You don't want to be responsible for making me for making me cry again. <laughs> the trajectory of the pandemic in the United States looks similar to many other countries in Europe. That's interesting. So now you're saying that the virus has a trajectory. So you might be able to determine when it ends. I feel like. Even back a year ago, the science had already given us the curve and the models. Man, oh man, that's weird, isn't it? It, The disease followed a trajectory that all other viruses follow. Gosh, that's crazy. It's so great that just in the last minute and a half, the science has told her, when things might end. Including Germany, Italy, and France. Looked like just a few weeks ago. And since that time, those countries have experienced a consistent and worrying spike in cases. Oh no! Cases! Very, very scary cases. Is everyone scared? Did Rochelle Walensky scare you properly? There's cases are coming around the bend. Watch out for them cases. Wouldn't want to have the numbers go up on cases. Hey, if you haven't died yet, you're going to be okay. Are not powerless. We can change this trajectory of the pandemic, but it will take all of us recommitting to following the public health prevention strategies consistently while we work to get the American public vaccinated. You catch that? If you want it to be over, you have to listen to us, even though the things we say don't make sense, are in complete contradiction to one another and to the data. And we have absolutely nothing to support that the things we say do anything to help. I'm calling on our elected officials our faith-based communities, our civic leaders, and our other influencers in communities across the nation. And I'm calling on every single one of you to sound the alarm, to carry these messages into your community and your spheres of influence. And there we have it, kids. Communist propaganda. Whatever I say is science. If you don't listen to me, You are going to kill other people and I'll have to cry again. So what I need you to do is do exactly what I say and then repeat all the slogans wherever you go. And no message could have been any clearer. 
right? She told you exactly what you need to do. Go say to everyone exactly what I just said to you. And since you saw me crying, you should feel empowered to use your own tears. And if you're not the crying type, then go with anger. Because that is how you convince people of the science. Now, let's get into a little more CNN propaganda, shall we? Well, you don't have a choice. Well, I mean, you do. You could turn this off, but don't, you know? CNN.com today. The headline is America's pandemic dead deserve accountability after Burke's disclosure. This is from communist Stephen Collinson this morning, March 29th. The hundreds of thousands of citizens whose deaths from COVID-19 could have been avoided are owed national and political accountability. But the polarization of America that exacerbated the pandemic threatens to deprive them of their due. Okay, this is already unbelievably pernicious, okay? First of all, what Dr. Burks said is her opinion. Dr. Burks saying that hundreds of thousands of deaths could have been prevented is not a hard and fast fact of the world. It just isn't. It's her opinion. She's also lying. You know how you can know she's lying? Listen to her. Ask her questions that actually probe the point she's making. CNN will not do that and neither will anyone else, which is why they get to get away with this nonsense. But Dr. Burks can't support the things she says at all, particularly not that thing. But the problem here is that people are polarized. Not everybody agrees with the party. Therefore, our disagreeing with the party is an insult to all of those who lost their lives because we wouldn't listen to the party. Got it? A haunting admission by Dr. Deborah Burks in a new CNN documentary that after last year's first infectious wave, the death toll could have been substantially reduced will prove harrowing for those who lost loved ones. It also throws new scrutiny on the negligent management of the pandemic by former President Donald Trump and his willingness to put economic and political goals above science and the public well-being. Now that is some commie bullshit. Okay? Does America have different results than the rest of the world? Or did our experience roughly mirror similar nations? Well, we just heard the CDC director say that our trajectory mirrors the trajectory of those European countries. And strangely, I know this is going to come as a shock to the communists, but Donald Trump wasn't president of those countries. So who do we get to blame? You got me in a tizzy, commie. I don't know what to do. My thoughts are everywhere. Now let's talk about economic and political goals of the coronavirus. Donald Trump's so-called economic and political goals were to allow the country to keep functioning while we cared for our ill rather than deciding 
on a national level that all the states should be closed on the basis of nothing and that the government gets to decide who among the population is and is not essential. Whose lives, whose careers, whose businesses, whose financial well-being, whose general mental and emotional well-being simply does not matter because we have a virus that has completely replaced the flu. Is it more deadly than the flu? No. It's exactly as deadly as the flu, except it doesn't harm children. What? And to hammer this point home, Fox News showed a graphic over the weekend showing the flu statistics for the 2019-2020 flu season versus the 2020-2021 flu season. Now, in 2019 and 2020, that flu season had 38 million recorded cases of the flu. 38 million. You want to guess how many were recorded in 2020 slash 2021? So far, 1,822. That is roughly, quick math here, one two thousandth of the prior flu season. Which one do you think is the anomaly? The 2019-2020 flu season was relatively normal. Now there's no flu. And why is there no flu? Because we call it COVID now. But back to the communists at CNN. Revelations by Burks, a highly respected international health expert before she came coronavirus response coordinator for the Trump White House and by her colleagues who spoke to CNN in COVID war, the pandemic doctors speak out, which aired Sunday night, represent the most intimate view yet inside Trump's chaotic and futile, futile, what? White House when COVID-19 struck. That's not what futile means, you fucking dummy. Sorry about swearing so much today. These, these communists, man. You know, it just is what it is. I look at it this way. The first time we have an excuse, Burks told CNN medical correspondent Sanjay Gupta, there were about 100,000 deaths that came from the original surge. All the rest of them, in my mind, could have been mitigated or decreased substantially. You want to provide a number? Deborah? Burks's anguish burns through the documentary. And while critics may falter for not speaking out when she was in government, her comments came across as an attempt to precipitate a reckoning that can provide lessons on how the U.S. can perform more effectively in a future pandemic. Oh, yes, it's only critics who wonder why someone in a position of power and authority, you know, an expert, didn't actually use their expertise in their role where their only function was to apply their expertise. One might wonder why she wouldn't do that and why she would only be speaking out about this stuff now. 
But that would just make one a person who doesn't listen to the experts. In the postmortem, we have to come out of this and learn how to do it better the next time. When is the next time, Deborah? Is it 2025 like you guys are planning? That's what it says in the Johns Hopkins document about the SPARS 2025 to 2028 plans. So is it then? Is that when the next one is? Is that when we're going to have to know how to do it better? Disclosures by five other top government doctors in the documentary about the country's lack of preparedness for the pandemic will also inevitably intensify a discussion about how the U.S. takes stock of the crisis once it abates. The issue of whether there should be some kind of official independent investigation into the government's response to the pandemic will be politically fraught, but will become tough to avoid. Yeah, we need a full accounting of it. That's what we need. Let's put Joe Biden's attorney general on it. Or better yet, let's just have the Secret Service do it. They're the ones who are handling the Hunter Biden gun crisis. We can trust them. And by the way, no slight to the patriotic, loyal, faithful, competent Secret Service men and women, obviously, who do their job very well every day, like the ones who protected Donald Trump. Now, are you ready for the kicker? Here we go. This section is called The Buck Was Supposed to Stop with Trump. Burks told Gupta that while her scientific colleagues understood the magnitude of the coming crisis, some White House officials refused to take it sufficiently seriously. Well, one of those would be Anthony Fauci, who was saying that the virus was no big deal throughout January, February and March, while Donald Trump was closing travel. It's great that they've tried to revise history tried to make it look like Anthony Fauci was leading the charge for the vaccines as early as January 10th. But once again, that's a lie. Others were fatalistic about what could be done. Huh? Burks also said that when she spoke the truth to CNN last August about the expansive penetration of the coronavirus on U.S. soil, she got a, quote, very difficult call from an angry Trump. Oh, yeah, the president's not allowed to call you and voice his displeasure with members of his own administration going against administration policy and making the situation worse. Yeah, no, no good president would make that phone call. A charge as serious as the one made by Burks will inevitably focus blame on the ex-president himself since his desk was where the buck was supposed to stop. The charge she's making is her opinion backed up by nothing. And the only people who are going to focus the blame on President Trump are the people in the state media. Like they're previewing the game they're going to try to run. It's a good thing that enough of the country has woken up to this and is not going to be tricked by it. These people are so stupid and they are so far behind the speed of information. It is honestly pathetic to read this shit. I do it to amuse you and to make fun of these people. And so that you know how nonsensical this is. So that you can actually take the time, read one of these articles that your dumb commie friends send you, and then pick it apart piece by piece by piece by piece by piece. Every single one of these sentences is a propagandistic lie. Okay? And I'm not like, I'm not giving some, like, all the media is fake. It is, but that's not the point I'm making. I'm making the point that you can actually look at each 
article and find out exactly where and how it's fake. These people do not get held accountable for the words that they say, the words that they write. They just figure, I'm going to put this out there. This pushes the narrative in the direction I want. And no one is actually going to read this carefully enough to see how many times I have lied in one article. This is embarrassing. Whoever this Stephen Collinson commie is needs to not have a job. And I'll tell you what. There is another. Well, there's a few, but there's another propaganda story just from this past week. The Sidney Powell propaganda story where I have come to the conclusion that I am now going to take direct action on articles like these. And it's not going to be impolite. It's not going to be personal attacks. It's going to be none of those things. I'm going to read you an, a, uh, a letter that I wrote to the editors of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Now, I've said many times, I'm a Pittsburgh sports fan. I have family from Pittsburgh. I feel like that is... If it's not my first or second home, it's in the top five. But they printed an article by a woman who was formerly known as a conservative, Mona Sharon. And she's a never Trumper. She's in with the Lincoln Project, those pedophiles and all that. I'm not saying she's a pedophile. John Weaver is a pedophile. And the Lincoln Project hid that while disseminating communist propaganda. That's just a hardcore fact. But Mona Sharon wrote this article, which I encourage you all to go check out. She has a column there. It's not hard to find. But she wrote an article about how Sidney Powell was perpetuating the big lie. And so I'm going to read my response to that article. Because I think that this approach actually might have an effect. I mean, ultimately, all of these people are in business. These are their jobs. And if they're not getting any pushback, right? then they assume that everything that they're doing is good. Okay? So I wanted to make it quite clear that, hey, you have a reader out there who doesn't accept this. And if you keep doing it, you're going to lose readers, right? So I wrote to the editors. I said, this Mona Sharon invective against Sidney Powell is misleading, false, and defamatory. You are putting your newspaper in, a, in an extremely precarious position by publishing this slander. Do you not see what is happening to the New York Times for sliming James O'Keefe? In this ridiculous piece, she intentionally misquotes and then misleads about the contents of Sidney Powell's recent legal filing. Perhaps she is not smart enough or hardworking enough, or perhaps she just lacks the integrity, to have first read the filing or perhaps she's just a paid shill. But Sidney Powell did not retract her statements and did not assert that no one would take them as fact. She did and has since said quite the opposite. Mona Sharon is, at best, too lazy to understand this. At worst, she is perpetuating slander against Powell and 80-plus million Americans who are not in any way telling a quote-unquote big lie every time they mention the overwhelming evidence of election fraud. Your paper's position cannot possibly be that you will continue to make yourselves complicit in a crime of this magnitude, knowing that the truth is coming out more and more each day. Can it? You represent Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, a town near and dear to my heart. You have to know that thousands upon thousands of people in your target demographic, a large majority, in fact, are seeing you as unpatriotic and un-American, don't you? 
What will happen in the coming weeks as it becomes clear to the country that the big lie is the one you're disseminating by denying the truth for your own perceived benefit? In case you're unaware of the actual text of Goebbels' theory of the big lie, here it is. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such time as the state can shield people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and thus, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Do you expect any reasonable person to read that definition and think it would apply to those demanding a fair process with fair media coverage to ensure the sanctity of the vote and not to those who have committed themselves to slandering and censoring these people? Using the full power of the state, its government, its legal system, its corporations, its state media, and even its military? Further, Sharon claims that video of John Poulos saying that the machines can flip a million votes in Venezuela does not exist. That's news to the millions of us who've seen it. It wasn't hacked or leaked video. It's from media reports back when the media actually cared about their role as the fourth estate. In addition, there is a documentary on HBO right now called Kill Chain, the cyber war on America's elections. I encourage you all to watch it tonight. You'll see Democrats like 2020 primary contender Amy Klobuchar asserting the quote unquote big lie herself just about 2016. You know, when machine fraud in favor of President Trump actually was a lie. I strongly suggest the paper think deeply about what position it means to occupy in American society and exactly how long it believes it can survive in the marketplace once the truth is known, despite the paper's best efforts to prevent it from being so. At least consider your wonderful state of Pennsylvania. Few states were more defrauded than the one you're meant to be fighting for. How will history remember you? Beyond that, how will you look by the end of the summer? On behalf of millions of patriots sick of propaganda. And then I signed my old John Hancock. Now, I don't know if anyone's actually going to read that. And you might be like, well, you wasted 15 minutes writing that. No one's going to read that. No one's going to care. Maybe. Maybe. What if 10 people did that? What if 100 people did it? What if every single person who's subjected to this fucking nonsense from our media actually took the time and wrote to the editors every single time to say, hey, we see you. We see you. You're a propaganda outlet. Now, is it worth it all the time for CNN? Maybe not. Because CNN is just straight up propaganda. And they're not going to change. Okay? But these local papers or regional papers, they might. And the fact that they might pull back on an article like that from a paid columnist who writes for them regularly, that could be a big deal. Okay? Mona Sharon should not have a job writing for the newspaper, any newspaper. Her piece is replete with lies to the point where, assuming she's a relatively intelligent person. I mean, I used to follow her on Twitter. I thought she was an intelligent person. But it's obvious here that if she is intelligent, then she simply did not read the filing. She read other reports on the filing and then decided that she needed to write a column about it. And in that column, she'll compare it to very scary events throughout history so that she can slander again 
Sidney Powell by comparing her to historical atrocities. This is a pattern. This is what they do. If we don't push back on it, then they stay like this. And again, none of this is in favor of, quote unquote, attacking or threatening journalists. This is not an assault on the First Amendment. This is saying, hey, you have a job. You're disseminating this product. We see what your product is now. Straighten up or you're not going to have a business anymore. It really is shocking to me that so many of these communists have bet not on the truth of the party's slogans, but on the power of the party to enforce those slogans and shut down anyone who disagrees with them. And that really is the bet they're making. Okay, because if they were actually betting on the truth of the party's slogans, they would be able to explain how the party's slogans are true. They can't do that. They can't do it at all. And they don't even bother figuring it out, which again tells you that they have faith that the party will save them, right? That's a very bad bet to make when you haven't discovered whether or not the thing you're defending is true. Because the thing that they're defending is not true. And it's going to be public. And it gets more public every single day. And because time is ticking along and I have gotten myself sidetracked at multiple occasions, I'm going to skip the rest of the CNN propaganda piece. We clearly know that it was not Donald Trump's fault. That is utterly absurd. And then the last section of it talks about how Tony Blinken does not plan to punish the Chinese Communist Party for their release of the coronavirus onto the world. They're lying about it in complicity with people like Tony Blinken and Peter Daszak and the WHO. Okay, so communist propaganda, you can read it for yourself. But I do want to get into what's happening with the growing election fraud narrative. Okay, now, again, I say narrative because I am separating the between what we know to be fact, which is stuff we've known for months and months. Right. With how the public conversation about this is changing and will change. And the more things like what I'm about to read you, the more these things come out, the more the narrative will change. Obviously, the facts underlying the narrative don't change. They do grow because this information out of Montana is relatively new. But this piece appears today in the Citizen Free Press, which is a website. It's kind of an aggregator website that they also do some of their original content. And this guy who goes by Kane is the one who runs the site. And take it for what you will. Check the site out. Check out the articles they post. If they don't add up, don't believe them. Truth is, they do, and they're doing a great job. So he wrote this morning, something stinks in Montana. During the summer of 2020, Montana's then governor, Democrat Steve Bullock, who, by the way, was in the Democrat primary contention for president. And full disclosure, I donated a dollar to this guy. I donated like five bucks or a dollar or whatever it was to like seven or eight different Democrat candidates because they made the standard that they had to have a certain number of donors to be able to continue on in the debates. And I wanted some of the uh, underdogs to be able to continue participating. So it was like Steve Bullock and Amy Klobuchar. And uh, I think I donated to Andrew Yang and maybe Buttigieg. Obviously, Tulsi Gabbard, 
and I don't know, a couple other people. But that's why I did it. I just wanted to put that out there. Sorry, I interrupted myself. Isn't that weird that I can do that? Democrat Steve Bullock issued a directive allowing states, counties to conduct the November 3rd election fully by mail. Missoula, Montana's second most populous county and one of its most heavily Democratic, opted in to the universal vote by mail regime. Real Clear Investigations noted in a March 24th report. And Real Clear Investigations is great. So right now, you can see Citizen Free Press giving you reference to more information from legitimate sources, okay? An audit of the county's November ballot envelopes found thousands of irregularities, the report said. On January 4th, a team of volunteers conducted an audit with the assistance of the Missoula County Elections Office. The audit consisted of both a count and review of all ballot envelopes and a comparison between that and the number of officially recorded votes during the November 3rd general election. The audit found that 4,592 out of the 72,491 mail-in ballots lacked envelopes. 6.33% of all votes without an officially printed envelope with registration information, a voter's signature and a postmark indicating whether it was cast on time. Election officials cannot verify that a ballot is legitimate. It is against the law to count such votes. What's more, according to authors, county employees claimed that during the post-election audit, some of the envelopes may have been double counted, possibly indicating an even higher number of missing envelopes, the report noted. Additionally, auditors tested a smaller random subsample of 15,455 mail-in ballots for other defects and found 55 lacked postmark dates and 53 never had their signatures checked. That would make more than 5,000 of Missoula County's votes, roughly 7% with unexplained irregularities. Auditors found that dozens of ballot envelopes had similar distinctive handwriting styles in the signatures, suggesting that one or several persons may have filled out and submitted multiple ballots, an act of fraud. One auditor asserted that 28 envelopes reviewed this from the same address, a nursing home. All 28 signatures looked exactly the same stylistically. Another auditor reported that among the envelopes she reviewed, two very unique signatures appeared dozens of times, describing one such, one such signature as starting out flat, moving to a peak, and tapering out, and another as consisting of numerous circles, a bubble signature. Auditors were unable to conduct a more comprehensive count because, they say, Missouli, Missoula County elections officials refused to permit them to take pictures of the signatures and envelopes were not shared across the different, different tabulation tables at the audit. So reviewers could not co- cross compare ballot samples, the report said. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that a Democrat county in the middle of the audit is still clinging to restrictions like this to make sure that auditors can't get the full truth. Now, there's a lot of truth in here, but it's interesting that Democrat county election officials are still trying to prevent a full, fair audit. Auditors also said that county elections office did not provide access to video footage it claimed to have recorded of vote counting activities. And then, of course, the CFP piece links to the 
real clear investigations piece. So if you feel more comfortable, read about what's happening in Missoula, Montana on real clear investigations. And then you don't have to feel like you're getting the dirty information on you. But let's switch gears from the communist coup to actual full-blown Nazism, courtesy of Jen Psaki. A vaccine passport uh, mm-hmm. in the COVID briefing this morning. He said it's primarily going to be spearheaded by the private sector. But what's the president's position on whether, once the vaccine is more readily available, businesses should be able to tell employees who don't want to get the vaccine for whatever reason that they can't come back into the workplace or that airlines could reject people from getting on the plane if they have decided not to get a vaccine. Okay, now let's understand her question. There was a coronavirus briefing this morning where they talked about vaccine passports and to make it sound like the government is not doing this because, you know, that's actual Nazism. It's going to be spearheaded by the private sector. So that just means corporations can tell you what to do. Your employer can tell you what to do. The grocery store can tell you what to do and that you can't come in if you don't have your papers. That's exactly what they're describing. I'm not being uncharitable by describing it this way. This is exactly what they're saying. And notice specifically that she takes as a given the White House's idea that they're going to encourage this, but leave it to the private sector. And then she asks what Joe Biden thinks about the idea that people might not be able to, for instance, keep their jobs or travel unless they comply. Well, we're going to provide guidance just as we have through the CDC. Uh, There's currently um, an interagency process that is looking at many of the questions around vaccine verification. And that issue will touch many agencies as verification is an issue that will potentially touch many sectors of society, as you have certainly alluded to. Got that? So Joe Biden actually doesn't have an idea about this. And if he did, they they, they definitely wouldn't share it. But that's a minor detail. The important thing is that the woman I played for you crying earlier in the context of her job is going to be the one who decides things. And, you know, it won't just be her. It'll be other agencies, too, so that no one actually is accountable. And the truth is that no one needs to be accountable because they're all just doing what the state has decided. Um, that's guidance we'll provide. We expect, as, as Andy Slavitt, I think, alluded to that. Look into Andy Slavitt. He is a a mountainous, gelatinous blob of communism who now serves the Joe Biden administration. But he is really just a pharma hack. And everybody knows it. it's not a secret. The guy is a liar. I used to actually call him out on Twitter for being a liar. And then he blocked me. And then I got banned from Twitter. Uh, a determination or development of a vaccine passport or whatever you want to call it. Or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, because we're going to give it like a cute name. It's going to be called like Freedom Pass or Freedom Health. And all of the tech companies will help make it together, you know, so that we don't have a bunch of different apps. But they'll all make it. And 
you know, the good thing is that one day we'll be able to put like your currency on there, your information about where you work and where you live and like how many kids you have and like what kind of stuff you buy and what porn you're into and what your web search history is. And then we'll give you a score. It uh, will be driven by the private sector. Ours will more be focused on guidelines that can be used as a basis. And uh, there are a couple key principles that we are working for. Do you see the circularity of these answers? Okay. The private sector is going to do it. We're just here to provide guidelines. Now, the private sector is going to do exactly the thing that our guidelines say, because we're actually going to create those guidelines in coordination with the private sector who will make the apps and the passports. But it's not us doing it. Just so you, just so you know. One is that there will be no centralized universal federal vaccinations database and no federal mandate requiring everyone to obtain a single vaccination credential. Because that would be Nazism. And you see, the way we get around that is by allowing these vaccine passports to happen. In fact, we're going to encourage them and we're going to set out the guidelines by which they will be implemented. But the thing is, we're not going to keep track of it. It's just that you're not going to be able to do anything unless you have what the corporation says. But it's not us doing it. You got to keep in mind, it's not us doing it. Second, we want to encourage an open marketplace with a variety of private sector companies and nonprofit coalitions developing. Ah, yes, that's right. They are so into the marketplace and letting the market develop solutions. They would never interfere with that. Solutions. And third, we want to drive the market toward meeting public interest goals. So we'll leverage our resources. Just kidding. We're going to push the market in the direction of serving our public interest goals. And we will leverage our resources. Now, which resources might those be? Taxpayer money? You're going to give money to the companies that do it right? Oh, yeah. And what are your... uh Public interest goals, by the way, are those important or should we just assume that it's making sure everyone's healthy and happy and has a job? Oh, wait, 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 wait. It's equity and sustainability and what? Got to get rid of guns? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, to ensure that all vaccination credential systems meet key standards, whether that's universal accessibility, affordability, availability, both digitally and on paper. Please notice how she did not at any point say that one of the standards would be the protection of Americans' privacy or their ability to decide for themselves what gets injected into their bodies. Jen Psaki is basically trying to talk her way around something that would be noticed quite easily as a crime against humanity, according to the Nuremberg Tribunal. But don't worry, Joe Biden's administration can't be like the Nazis because they're the good guys. And the TV says so. Uh, but those are our standards currently going through an interagency process. We'll make some recommendations and then uh, we believe it will be driven by the private sector. And when do you anticipate those guidelines will come out? I don't have a timeline to provide uh, you at this point, but it's obviously something we're working through and we want to provide that clarity. To Remember those quaint days when this was just a conspiracy theory?
you know, like all those other conspiracy theories that haven't played out in real life at all. (laughs) I mean, anyone who says something is a conspiracy theory, like as a as a slight against, you know, trying to diminish what someone has said is basically just like starting a six month or nine month or year long clock between now and when they're wrong, right? The COVID thing, that couldn't have been about a vaccine passport or a vaccine or tracking or anything. It couldn't have been about all those things that all these exact people have been talking about for decades saying, we can't wait until we do these exact things. Couldn't be that. And if you believe that, you're crazy. This vaccine passport was never planned. This is just coming up naturally with a perfect solution to the problem of people not listening to the party. And that's what it really is, isn't it? Can we all admit that that's what it really is? Can we at least just agree on that? Now, again, I know this is going super long, but I did want to talk about two more things. One of them very quickly. You know, we talk about these, uh, the attacks on the second amendment and how it's quite obvious that the administration is in fact going after people's guns and has even admitted that they plan to sign executive orders about firearms. Now, hilariously just yesterday it was announced that the Supreme court has overturned Donald Trump's ban on bump stocks that he instituted after the completely still unexplained shooting massacre in Las Vegas where Stephen Paddock in quotes and definitely no one else conducted the biggest shooting event in American history. And he did it for reasons that we'll never know, but it's better not to think about that event anymore and definitely definitely don't look into it and whatever you do don't look up a guy named Patrick Howley on Twitter who was reporting on it and then was silenced don't look at him though but it's hilarious that the Supreme Court has shut down an executive order for its violating the Second Amendment while the Biden administration thinks it's going to sign executive orders that violate the Second Amendment This is going to be hilarious. It looks to me like the Biden regime just lost again. And here's something I really don't understand about people's mood and mindset these days. The number of losses racking up in the Joe Biden usurpation regime are endless. It's like every single event, day after day after day after day after day, everything that they are doing is waking more people up and snapping them out of the casual, lazy belief that these people have our best interests at heart. They don't. Okay? These people literally have our worst interests at heart. They are making it impossible for everyone around the world to be anything but a party member. That is what the party does. Okay? If they are giving any lip service to any notion of freedom, 
They are only doing that to lull people back to sleep. And this is so obvious. And if you think I'm, I'm sounding crazy, just keep waiting. Think about 15 months ago, how absurd it would have sounded to you to hear that a disease that can kill two out of 1,000 people would shut down society completely, drive hundreds of millions of people in the world into extreme poverty, and that 15 months later, we would still be having debates about wearing two cloth masks, even though there is no proof anywhere in the world that cloth masks do anything, and that society would then be trying to figure out ways to force people to inject themselves with an experimental gene therapy to recover from a disease that almost definitely can't kill them. Does that sound like a conspiracy theory to you? And so I suppose that's a good place to transition to my last topic, which is the Q into the storm documentary series on HBO. Now I talked about that a little bit last Monday and I'll talk about it next Monday because I think it's just good to, see where the narrative is going in the context of the documentary. And so the first hour of the documentary was primarily, it seemed to me like it was goal oriented toward proving that Jim and Ron Watkins were either Q themselves, which they are obviously not, or that they were just blindly supporting the existence of Q because it drove so much traffic to their site, which also is a ridiculous notion. And back when they were filming it, of course, maybe it would have made more sense, but there hasn't been a Q post in four months. So why in the world would people who were seeking profit just stop posting as, as Q if that was them? If they cared about the profit somehow, and by the way, these guys are not guys with extravagant lifestyles, not in the least. It looks like literally everything that they own must be in the server room. They have totally normal places and they look like they have a totally normal lifestyle. They're not rich. At least they don't look rich. If they are rich, okay. But it doesn't seem like they're doing it for the money. And if they were, they'd be doing that very incompetently. But this thing is always searching for who Q is, even though that's irrelevant, largely. And then for a while, it was propping up the this guy, uh, Frederick Brennan, who's the self-described cripple in the wheelchair. And basically, he had a falling out with Jim Watkins. And it looked like, I mean, just to be straight up, it's pretty obvious that someone got to him and said, hey, you're going to get a lot of money and we're going to make you a media star if you just say tons of bad things about these guys. So he's on there talking about some some fight that he had with Jim Watkins and now he's no longer in the company, but he's going to give everybody the real dirt on who they are and what they do and everything about Q. He supplies no information whatsoever. All he does is aid the mainstream media's narrative about how all of these various acts of violence were somehow a result of the existence of 8chan, right? 
the entire narrative the whole time on the San Antonio Walmart shooting and some other events was just to get 8chan shut down. Okay? And you can see that now, especially in retrospect. Because you can see how they're trying to exploit shooting events right now. And the crazy thing is, since that uh, Atlanta one that they decided was white supremacy, they've had like five or six national either mass deaths or heinous deaths, like the two girls who carjacked that 66-year-old man and killed him. Those stories don't fit their narrative. Why? Well, because those two girls were black. And the shooter in Boulder was a Trump-hating Syrian refugee. And we can go on. They take these events and they use them. They exploit them. They do not care about ending mass shootings. They care about getting people's guns. They do not care about mass shootings. They care about being able to censor people. Okay? They do not care about very deadly insurrections that killed virtually nobody and didn't really harm anybody and never made an attempt to take over the government and weren't even the fault of Trump supporters or QAnon. They care about censoring people and taking every person who voted for Donald Trump and making that the enemy. They care about division for political purposes and nothing else. Do not be tricked by this. Okay. So that was the first hour for the most part. The second hour and like by that, by the end of that first hour, I think a lot of people and I know this because I was following along with some of the chats on Telegram, but I think a lot of people were like, this is just nonsense. They're just trying to smear the whole community and blah, blah, blah. And that may well be true. But I watched the second hour and I am pretty much back to where I was last week that I think despite all of that, the narrative that they're telling is so thin and so superficial that none of these points will actually land. And this documentary will have the exact opposite effect, which is to red pill every single person who watches it. Okay, it is just replete with I just said replete twice in one episode. That's not. Man, if I was if I was writing right now, I would have taken that word out completely like a word like replete is something you only use once in a piece, you know, so I apologize for saying it. But. But the two hours are just filled with so much self-contradictory nonsense or stuff that has been disproven by reality since then that I think it's going to have a positive effect largely. And again, I don't care about people, quote unquote, believing in Q. Okay, that's irrelevant. Whether or not people believe in Q is irrelevant. It's not about believing in Q. It's about did Q cause people to get tons of information about things the media wasn't telling them? And are we now driving the narrative rather than responding to it and rather than being oppressed by it? And the answer is yes. That's why it's good. It doesn't matter what you believe. It matters that you understand what the thing is. And this is still going to tell people that. And it's going to show people that. And it's making the ostensible heroes of this story. Fred Brennan, I think I'm I think I'm getting his name right. This Daily Beast dork, Will Summer. And this right wing watch guy, Jared Holt, 
These guys actually think that they are so smart and that the Q people are so stupid. And that is just so pathetic to watch. It really is because it reminds me of pretty much everyone I know or knew in Hollywood. They don't know anything, but they are so convinced that smart people believe X. So therefore they believe X and by believing X, they become smart. Watching Will Summer and Jared Holt and understanding that that's the, the current state of mainstream media is really just, it's, it's sad in a pathetic way. These guys don't even know what they're reporting on. They're literally just going out there and trying to find the simplest ways to say that everyone is wrong. And I think of that old John Stuart Mill quote from On Liberty, and I'll paraphrase. But the idea is that he who doesn't understand both sides of the argument understands neither. That's what these guys are doing, okay? They are figuring out ways that they can sound smart enough by giving out the accepted opinion about the subject. And this subject, of course, is Q. But all they're doing is repeating the slogans. They are simply complying with the Communist Party, the party of false decorum, and that is it. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. 
in my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!